it sounds bizarre, doesn't it? I'm telling you, that's how bizarre evolution is. Are you serious? If you look at this, nothing can evolve over a long billions of years and live. It doesn't work that way. This goes out to every outcast, to the just don't quite fit in. Every wrong way, runaway rebel, so ashamed of where you've been. This goes out to every searcher, trying to fill that empty space. While you're searching, days are over now, everything's about to change. I'm sure you found that in your Bible by now. Why don't you stand with me, please? And we are going to read John 10, 1 through 11. And the Bible says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth into the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. 
And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me if any man enter in, and shall be, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that he might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Our Heavenly Father, we pray now as we look into your word and we talk about this passage in the Christian life that we live. It is not an easy road at times. Sometimes the breeze is blowing in our direction, and it's wonderful. And other times, we are tested to the depths of our soul. In all of these times, good and bad, you are there. And it's so important that we remember you are the good shepherd. And you're watching over us. But there are enemies out there that want to steal and kill and destroy. Help us to recognize the dangers be on guard for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. For the last couple of weeks, we have talked about walking with the Lord. And I think as a church, as a family, we have decided that in 2024, we want to walk with the Lord this year. So we're, if you will, we're going on a trip. The title of the message is The Thief. The Thief. Say that with me. The Thief. So if you're going on a trip, I grew up in a family. My father was not a Boy Scout, but I'll tell you, he was prepared. He didn't go anywhere without jumper cables, spare tire, chains, come along, handyman jack, and other accessories that were in his vehicle. And if he got in trouble on the road, he was prepared. The Holub Road is 18 miles of dirt road that goes from Jackman to the little township of Holub. And if you do not have 10-ply tires, you will get a flat. It's that simple. I can't tell you how many flats I've had on the Holub Road because the rocks will come right up through a four-ply tire. We have changed tires in the snow, in the rain, in any kinds of thing. Also, that road would wash out at times, and if you got, dad got in trouble one time, and he got into a hole, and so it was just he and mom, and so they got out their handyman jack, someone else calls it a high lift jack, if you know what I'm talking about, they stand about this high off the deck, and they will pick up a truck taller than you. And so he got out his handyman jack, and he started jacking, throwing woods, limbs, anything he could find in the hole to hold the truck up. Then he gets out his come-alongs, and he starts cranking and pulling. And, and he and Mom got the truck out and continued on their way. He was prepared. And he would be disgusted if he found out that I was somewhere and broke down and wasn't ready. Now you can say, what's all that about? If you decide that you're going to walk with the Lord... There's going to be some flat tires on the way. There's going to be some trouble that will come across your path. And you and I need to be ready 
for those things that come on. And it isn't necessarily life. I want you to know that the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, warns that there is an enemy out there. He refers to him as the thief. That thief is Satan. And he says, Jesus warns, he came to kill and to steal and to destroy. Okay, and those are the things that he does. Jesus warns of this in Luke 12, 39. He says, and this know, that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken into. The warning is this, is that the thief is out there, and Jesus said you need to be on guard for him, and, and the, if you had just known when he would get there. I've been robbed several times in my life. In business, those things happen. It always happens when you're not there. And I've always, if you will, fantasized about the joy it would be of catching one of those guys and the wonderful treatment he would get if I could actually see him. But that's not how it works. They're good at getting there when you're not there. No matter how much you try, you need to be on guard because it happens and those things happen. In your Christian life, if you've chosen Christ as your personal Savior, we are gifted with certain assets, with the privilege of walking with the Lord. And Satan wants very much to steal those assets from us. And he's very good at it. The key is to be on the lookout as we travel. Jesus presents himself as a good shepherd. He guards, he watches, he's willing to give his life for the sheep. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. We lock our houses, our businesses, our cars, our valuables because there are thieves out there. It's frustrating. They usually strike when you're not there. Although they seem to be much bolder in the year 2024, if you watch the news at all. So I made a list of the types of robberies there are, just for a little introduction here. There's armed robbery, there's strong arm robbery, there's carjacking, there's home invasion, there's bank robbery, pharmacy robbery, breaking and entering, smash and grab, and the list goes on. Satan is not interested in your jewelry. He's interested in something much more valuable. Number one, the things he wants to steal is your faith and trust. Now go with me to Genesis chapter 3, if you will. I know you're tired of... Your, your Bible probably ob, ob, automatically opens up to Genesis chapter 3. In this church, we spend a lot of time there. This is where the trouble started in Genesis chapter 3. There in the Garden of Eden. Remember, Satan wants to steal your faith and trust. Let's remember the relationship Adam and Eve had with God. Look with me in Genesis chapter 3, and let's just read the first five verses. And the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. In Genesis chapter 3, just to lay a little groundwork, 
Adam and Eve had a personal knowledge of the Lord. And it was obvious that he was a good God. He had provided them with heaven on earth. All their wants were met and they had given, been given a perfect mate to each other. So they had Adam, had Eve, Eve had Adam. They had the Garden of Eden, which was literally heaven on earth. Sin did not exist. And they walked and talked in fellowship with God himself in the garden. So, who was not happy with this arrangement? Adam? Eve? Satan. He could not stand the fact that they were where they wanted to be and he was not. He wanted to spread the misery around. Satan loves to level the playing field by leveling it. It is not to build it up, but it is to tear you down. Don't ever think that Satan offers something better. He entered into the conversation with just this simple question. I was wondering. Say, I was wondering. Satan not wondering a thing. I got a phone call a while ago. Guy says, you know, I've got some questions about the Bible. I'm not sure what they... Could you answer them for me? And I said, well, I'll try. This guy had no questions at all. It was like talking to a, a liberal Democrat reporter. They were gotcha questions. They just wanted to see if they could trip me up on my Bible knowledge. He says, I'm just asking. I'm not really sure myself. Finally, I said to him, sir, you are a liar. You know exactly what you think. And you have no intention of learning anything from talking to me. Let me tell you something. Satan is a liar, and he has no intention of doing anything good for you. Any interaction you have with him can only go bad. And when you're walking with the Lord, the only one that's not happy with your relationship is Satan. We're perfectly fine. And he wants very much to steal and to kill and to destroy. And the number one thing he wants to steal from us is our faith and trust. So he starts planting seeds of doubt. Now, a plant grows. And a plant will grow as fast as you water it and give it sunlight. So if the doubt grows in our life, it's because we are watering it. We are giving it sunlight. We are giving it opportunity to grow. And so some of the doubts that he plants, obviously he looked at, Eve, and he said, oh, no, that's not true. God's holding good things from you. Let me tell you something, Christian. God holds nothing back from you that is good for you. Do not believe that lie. The world will all go along and say, oh, you Christians, you don't have any freedom. I notice that the freedom that the world has to offer only enslaves. I've not seen one time where alcohol has added any plus to anything. And sad to say, some Christians think they have the liberty to, to delve into that. Show me anything, anytime, where drinking alcohol added good to the situation. It has ruined homes, families, killed people. We are just about outlaw cigarettes, which obviously is not good for you. But nobody has killed someone else while they were smoking a pack of cigarettes. Unless the smoke was so thick they couldn't see. Alcohol is a drug that has been legal for a long time and ought not to be, and Christians should not be supporting that industry. 
But subtly, Satan will come along, and he'll get you to go into that. And I suppose you can develop a taste for it. I just want to go for a second as I get a little sidetracked on this. I've not talked to anybody that tried alcohol the first time liked it. You develop a taste for it. Why? Why? Why would you? I'll try that again. I'll try that again. Oh, it's getting a little bit better. It's a social thing. If your friends require you to do something like that, you got the wrong kinds of friends. Pick new friends. Develop a taste. Coca-Cola. Man, I didn't have to develop a taste for that. First time I tried it, I liked it. When I was young, I'd drink a good 10 to 12 sodas a day. You know? I could still walk straight, talk straight, drive straight. Loved that stuff. Of course, I... Watch out for what you try to develop a taste for, folks. Satan will plant things in your mind. Evolution is one of his plants over billions of years. Death and destruction. We used to be little, walked humped over. Now we're straight. We came out of this primordial pond of ooze. This little tadpole that flopped up on the beach and flopped around long enough that it developed a couple of warts that eventually became like legs. And as those legs grew, he got a little closer to a tree and realized there was a banana hanging there. And he could reach up and grab that banana and scratch himself at the same time. And he got a banana. And then he's eaten and he found he could swing from tree to tree. And as he swung from tree to tree, it seemed to elongate his body. And he got longer and straighter to a point where he could walk on two feet. And then as he walked on two feet and he found he could eat other things and take over other things and control other things. And then as he got smarter and he, looked, he learned how to shave and he could make himself more presentable. And then as he shaved and he cleaned himself up and he liked what he saw in the mirror, he went into J.C. Penney, bought a suit, went up to the University of Maine and started teaching children how to, how to think. You know, that's pretty much the evolutionary process of how we got here. This sounds bizarre, doesn't it? I'm telling you, that's how bizarre evolution is. Are you serious? If you look at this, nothing can evolve over a long billions of years and live. It doesn't work that way. What does work is that there's a superior being called God Almighty who spoke. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Christianity said to say, when evolution became so popular, the Schofields of the world, which I'm a Schofield guy, we use a Schofield Bible, you have Schofield Bibles in your pews, they started trying to figure out how they could accommodate God's word and evolution, and they tried to marry the two together, and I'm telling you, it has messed up a lot of Christians over the years. Don't go there. God created this world in six days. This is not billions of years old, it's thousands of years old. And you and I are here, God's not going to let something go for that amount of time and not have his hand on it and be in control of it. Because I'm telling you, the time will come when he's coming back and, and, and evolution does not give any room for that process. Evolution is one of the things that can rob you of your faith and trust in God Almighty. 
Not only is there the story of evolution, I want to go on to say this, and I'm not trying to be political this morning, but it's in my notes. I thought about this. I'm going to say this. Global warming is another lie right out of the pit of hell. This whole idea that we are destroying the planet by inhaling oxygen and exhaling carbon dioxide is absolutely ridiculous. And they are beating that drum like you can't believe. And our current president is trying everything he can do to take away every one of your freedoms so that we don't destroy the planet. And that is a lie right out of the pit of hell. It is wrong. And people need to say so because we are losing our freedoms with the idea that we are saving the planet. Well, I thought when God put man in the garden and he told you and I to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, that we are the Lord's. We are the jewel of God's creation. We are the ones in charge. We are the ones that take care of the planet. We are not here to make sure the planet survives and we don't. We are here to make sure that we survive, and so does the planet. And any concept, any idea that relegates man to a second-class citizen over the power of the planet is right out of the pit of hell. Be careful what you listen to and the lies that you are being told. And I feel like a voice crying in the wilderness on this stuff because you don't see much pushback on this at all. Greenhouse gases and all this stuff is absolutely bizarre. And yet they talk about it like it's fact. They say, follow the science, follow the science. They are not following the science. And any science they try to prove this is a bunch of hooey. There is no truth to it. And I'm telling you, you can hear the hiss of the snake when these people are talking. Watch out. Satan wants to steal your faith and trust in the God who created you. Not only does he use ace evolution, he uses, there's just no end of these things that he uses to create doubt in the minds of the Christian. Another one he uses is he hates relationships as a whole. This whole idea of now they don't, there's an extra mark on your birth certificate now, male, female, or other. I'm told we're putting that on our driver's licenses now. Now, I don't, if, if they haven't, they will. It's just a matter of time. God created male and female. That's all there is. There's cats and dogs. There's animals. But we are not an animal. We are the jewel of God's creation. Satan hates relationships. And so he, remember, he's very subtle, so he'll do it in a slow, methodical process. But first, he said, you know, I, we really think that a man should be able to love a man and a woman should be able to love a woman. And, you know, you guys are so bigoted if you won't let us have gay marriage. So foolishly, a bunch of smarter people than us decided that, okay, we'll legalize gay marriage. Folks, they will never be happy. It will never stop. Satan will always want to destroy and he's trying very hard to continue the process. I never would have believed that we would ever talk about the barbarity that is taking place where we want to try to physically change the makeup of an individual from the way they were born. You can't do that. When it's all said and done, if a male is a male, after the fact of the surgery, he's just a scarred male. Same way with a woman. 
Say, Stan, why are you talking about these things? Because society is falling apart. And Christians need to stand up and say so. This is not God's plan to change a man and a woman or to support gay marriage or any of those things. This is not hateful, folks. This is not what God intended. This is what Satan intended. And he is stealing a joyful life from you. He's stealing a joyful life from our people, from our country. This will never work. In any society that has not lasted, if you watch history at all, it is these things that take place before that society crumbles. And I don't know how long America has in the direction that we are going. But we ought to pray for revival and for Christians to stand up and speak the truth. Because Satan is stealing some things from us. What is it that he can destroy? Faith and trust. Lies and deceit and unfaithfulness. Question class. Lies, deceit, unfaithfulness. Who does that describe? Satan or God? Satan. I don't know about you, but I enjoy serving a God that is faithful and true. I can trust him. Listen to what Jesus says about Satan in in John chapter 8 and verse 44. You're of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Faith and trust are building blocks to our salvation. Without them we are lost. Hebrews 11.6 says, for without faith it's impossible to please him. When he takes our faith, we also, he takes our ability to please God Almighty. Listen to the warning in Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. He says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us, entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Stop right for a second. Are there things that you see in society that keep you awake at night? There are me. That we are being stolen of our rest in Hebrews. A Christian should be the most restful, peaceful person there is. We ought to be able to go to bed, tell the Lord, okay, God, I'm going to sleep. You got it from here. Now, he had it from here all day long as well. Verse number 2 of Hebrews chapter 4 says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So here's the deal. You hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You hear that there's a God in heaven that loves you. You hear that there's a, uh, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. You hear that he came and lived 33 years a sinless, perfect life. And they hated him, and they killed him on an old rugged cross. And they put him in a borrowed tomb, but three days later, he rose again. He stayed on this earth for 40 days, other people seeing him. At times, over 500 people saw him at one time. Finally, he stood on a mount with his disciples around him, and he says... He said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back. And as he's talking, the Bible says a cloud lifted him up out of their sight, and they watched. And then angels came and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing? The same Jesus which went up into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. He's coming back. Say that with me. He's coming back. 
Now, you and I believe that. Well, I'm preaching to the choir here this morning. If you're doubting that, what happens is Satan wants to come in and say, oh, those bunch of radical Christians, those haters that don't care about people, that talk about things that are just not right, nobody should say so, you ought to let people live and let people be people. And I want you to know God will let you live, and he'll let you make the choice that you want to make, and you go right ahead and live the way that you want to, but there's coming a day when there will be a reckoning before God, and you either accepted his son or you denied his son. And if you do not believe in Jesus Christ, everyone that goes to hell goes because of unbelief. The key is, if you hear of Jesus and you're willing to believe, and you mix that message with faith, (laughs) faith is the game changer. Faith is the reason why I married Emily Lovett. I believed that she loved me. I believed that she was crazy. (laughs) And so we, faith and trust between her and I in a marriage is everything. And you and I know when that faith and trust is tested in a marriage, it can be the end. You cannot lose your salvation when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Do not fear that. If you're truly saved, if you've truly trusted Christ, you always will be. But on the other hand, some Christians can have their faith so tested, their faith and trust taken from them to a point that you'd not know they were a believer. Who won there? Satan did. Satan did. I don't know about you. I don't want that boy to have one victory in the life of Stan Griffin. I ain't giving him any ground. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Satan's got no power over you whatsoever. Notice when he tested Job. Whenever anything, what did Satan have to do? He had to go to God Almighty and get permission from my heavenly Father for anything that was going to happen in his life. And I have found that faith and trust in God Almighty is two of the greatest assets that every believer has. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Without faith it's impossible to please him. How's your faith and trust this morning? Are you struggling? Well, I'll tell you, I have absolutely struggled in that department, without question. We're out of time this morning, but next week we'll pick up on this again. There are times of depression and anxiety in my life that just test me so. There are great men that I'll refer to next week of guys that are Stan Griffin. Nobody knows me. Nobody needs to know me. My Heavenly Father knows me. That's all that matters. But I'm telling you, there are men, household names that everybody has heard of that have struggled mightily with depression, anxiety, and hurt. And I want you to know, Christian, that if you struggle with those things, Sad to say, you're normal. You're normal. But make sure if you are struggling with depression and anxiety and any of those things that are happening in your life, it's not because Satan 
has won. It's because he's stolen those things from you. Make sure if those things happen, it's just life. It's all. We're out of time this morning. But I want to warn you. You're walking with Jesus. You've trusted him as your savior. There is an enemy out there that you need to be watching for. Because he will not let you go day after day enjoying your Christian walk. He hates that. He's a miserable individual that wants to spread the misery. And I want you to know as your pastor, you need to be watching for him and living. You know what? The, 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 what's, what's that saying? The greatest revenge is living well. Did you ever hear that? The greatest revenge is living well. Well, let me tell you something. The greatest thing you can do when the struggles come is just keep smiling, just keep believing, know that God's on the throne, and he's got this. I don't bother to try to close the curtains. I'm thinking that's not going to happen, so...